Beloved in Christ, when God poured out the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, there were instant results. The book of Acts describes healings, prophecies, visions, speaking in tongues, casting out demons, all to serve the one purpose of growing the Church of Christ. In those early years, it was clear God was at work in a powerful new way. And today, God the Holy Spirit is no less busy. He shows his power. The Spirit teaches us the truths of Scripture. He gives us gifts for service. He transforms us into the likeness of Christ. And the Holy Spirit even intercedes on our behalf before the Father. When we read the New Testament, we see the Spirit moving on almost every page. Hearing this full knowledge of the Spirit, both from Scripture and from our experience, Christians have sometimes wondered, so where is the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? What did the people of God ever do before Pentecost and all his amazing results? I have heard it said that the Holy Spirit wasn't even at work in most of God's people back then. Generally, they were unspirited people. So, this morning, let's consider the Holy Spirit's work in the Old Testament ministry. And we'll see what God has always given his Holy Spirit to build up his church and to purify his believers. In Ezekiel 36, verse 27, which we just read, God speaks of this. God promises to put the Holy Spirit within his people. One, the enduring need. Two, the unfailing work. And three, an increasing glory. The enduring need for the Spirit. Thinking about the presence of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament... You may remember how he clearly entered certain people for certain tasks. One example is how the main craftsman for the tabernacle was filled with the Spirit so that he could have wisdom and skill in building a beautiful house for God. Or there is examples of Samson, who was repeatedly empowered by the Holy Spirit to defeat the Philistines. The Spirit of the Lord also came upon David as a young man, and as king of Israel, prophets like Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Zechariah were inspired by the Spirit too, so that they could speak the words of God. So we do read of the Holy Spirit being active among the Old Testament people of God. However, when it says that God the Spirit actually enters a person, it only in the case of certain office bearers. And then it is only for a particular task. Even for the judges, prophets, and kings who did receive him, the Spirit seemed to have a temporary presence. He would come for a time, but then he would leave once the job was complete. Or once someone stopped being faithful, like King Saul, who had the Spirit, and then he didn't. And what about everyone else? What about the common folk in Israel? like the nameless farmer from Naphtali, or the young mother from Beersheba, or even the Levites working at the temple. 
The Spirit doesn't say that the Holy Spirit entered them like he enters us. So that conclusion would seem valid. The Old Testament people were spiritless people. The leaders might have received the gift of the Spirit, but no one else did. But if you accept that, you would have to arrive at a second conclusion, namely that the vast majority of the Israelites didn't actually serve the Lord with true faith and sincere love. Instead, it was all about external things and outward activity. The law said that God wanted sacrifices from them. And so, as long as they killed the animals in the right way and brought the right gifts, they were fine, for the Lord accepted them. Is that all God wanted? Why would they have needed the Holy Spirit? But think of David's words in Psalm 51. You do not delight in sacrifices, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. You can hear that David knew God wanted more than outward show, more than boxed being ticked off. He desires an inner zeal. Or recall the Lord's words in Hosea 6, verse 6. I desire mercy, not sacrifices, and knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. God wanted much, much more than a mindless carrying out of laws of ritual. From his people, he wanted true faith and genuine love, repentant hearts and pliable spirits. So was that possible without having the Holy Spirit? Could the whole Testament, the Old Testament people repent by their own free will? Were they able to draw on some inner resource and so make a true acknowledgement of God or have a living mercy for other people? Of course not. All of them were complete sinners and they were born like us, spiritually dead. In their sin, they confessed to God, all of us are unclean. Isaiah 64, 6, God himself confronts them with their inability. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard its spots? Neither can you do good who are accustomed to doing evil. The Old Testament people were sinners, just like us. Yet God called them to repent. By nature, they were unbelievers. Yet God called them to believe on his name. So how could they ever do such things? Faith is only possible when there is a new heart and a purified spirit. Such gifts can come only from God. God must send the Holy Spirit or his people have no hope. All this is what God did. Isaiah 63 says that the Lord sent his Holy Spirit among them. The Spirit was among them and moving. And this is why after his sin with Bathsheba, David pleads with God, Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit. He knew that the Holy Spirit hates to be near a wicked and adulterous heart like his. Yet this same Spirit is the source of whatever holiness David might 
have. So he asks for the Spirit to stay with him, to cleanse and renew him. That was King David. But he wasn't so different for other Israelites. If they would ever bring delight to God, then they needed to obey him willingly and trust in his name. Therefore, David sings to God and all Israel sings with him. May your God lead me on level ground. Psalm 143, verse 10. They sought the Spirit because they needed the Spirit. Let's head over to the New Testament in John chapter 3. Jesus meets with Nicodemus, the Pharisee, and he tells him that it's only when we have new life from the Spirit that we are able to see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asks how this can happen, how someone can be born again. And Jesus replies that everyone must be born of the Spirit. Nicodemus didn't get this, so Jesus rebuked him. You are Israel's teacher, and you do not understand these things? In other words, you don't know why it's necessary to be regenerated. If you don't know the Spirit is so essential, that's like us looking at a party balloon laying on a kitchen table, flat and shriveled, and saying you don't know if it needs air. Of course it does. From the law and the prophets, it should have been obvious to Nicodemus, especially to a teacher like him. We need to be filled with the Spirit. Also, when Ezekiel prophesied, the need for the Spirit was obvious, perhaps more obvious than ever. Ezekiel spoke from Babylon because he was part of the first shipment of exiles from Judah. His central message was God's fearsome but just punishment on sin. Yet Ezekiel is also allowed to foretell a return, a rebuilding of the temple, and a restoration of Jerusalem. In this renewal, God get, got to the root cause, the sinful human heart. Because even if God allowed the exiles to return, could they stop disobeying? Can they avoid much punishment in the future? No, they still wouldn't get anywhere. So God will change them. In verse 25, he declares, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. He will forgive them, and he'll wash away all the stain of their sins from years of adultery and unbelief. Maybe you've done laundry before. They tell me that you might clean the grass stains and fruit juice out of your child's nice white shirt, but you know what happens the very next day, another stain. If only you could permanently block, lock in the cleanness. This is what God will do. More than forgiving his people, removing the stain, He'll renew them. By renewal, the pollution of sin will be resisted more and more. He promises, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. If you have a heart of stone, God's word will never penetrate. If you have a heart of stone, you can sit in church or you can have an open Bible and you can hear and read many fine words, but that's all they are, words. They don't register. 
They don't move or inspire you. But if you have a heart of flesh from God, the words can sink in. And this is how it, it'll happen, says the Lord. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. He'll renew the gift of the spirit among his people. Yes, he had given them his spirit, but God planned to send him in fuller measure. And when the spirit came, he would have an even more powerful effect. Beloved, remember that we're not so different from Israel. Left to ourselves, we have no hope of breaking our bad habits. By ourselves, we wouldn't believe God's word. Without the Spirit's help, we're not able to worship in a way that is sincere or to fight sin or to be patient or content. This has always been true. There's no people of God without the Spirit of God. So pray for the Spirit and seek his presence in your life. When we see who we are, seeing how far we are from full faithfulness to God, seeing how weak our faith can be, seeing how inconsistent our love is, then let us pray for the Spirit more and more. We have an enduring need, but the good news is that his work is unfailing. That leads us to the second point, the unfailing work of the Spirit. Do you know when the Spirit is first mentioned in the Bible? Already in Genesis 1, verse 2, he is hovering over the waters, and we see him many times thereafter because he's always been at work. In the first 39 books of the Bible, we don't really, we don't read explicitly of the Spirit changing his, this heart or working faith in a person, but consider the beautiful results of the Spirit's labor already at that time. There was Noah, a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. Then there was Abraham, a mighty man of faith, who believed of God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Or David, whose heart was fully devoted to the Lord his God. These people weren't righteous or faithful in themselves. We know about Noah's failure with wine. We know of Abraham's doubts and self-reliance. We know of David's transgressions as king. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, dead sinners were brought to life. These people who were inclined to trust in themselves were made strong in their faith in God. Consider the whole cloud of witnesses in Hebrews chapter 11 and the many more who go unmentioned. They all testify to the unfailing work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of his people because they all lived by faith. To those lost in the ugly aftermath of their sin, Ezekiel prophesizes a marvelous renewal. God says he'll again put his spirit in them with guaranteed results. I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. To those who know, who knew the Israelites even a little, these words must have seemed a joke. Israel followed God's decrees, kept his laws. The pattern was so ingrained, they were in exile. That's how rotten they were. 
Could God's Spirit possibly get anywhere with these people? I will cause you to walk in my statues? The promise, I will cause you to walk in my statues, can sound hollow at times for us too. You might be aware of your deep inabilities of stop sinning, or you might be sensitive to how you fail to trust truly in God's word. And so you might wonder if the Spirit is really near. Is he really changing us? Every Sunday, God blesses us in the name of the Holy Spirit. Yet immediately after the service, we're back to our complaining and our worrying. Or during the week, one moment we might pray for the strength of the Spirit, yet a few moments or minutes later, we give it so freely to the devil's old tricks. At times, we might even wonder, where is my faith? Where is the Spirit of God? Is he really with me? It doesn't feel like it. The good news is that the Holy Spirit isn't a changing wind, here and then gone. He's not subject to our ever-shifting moods or feelings. For the Holy Spirit is God himself, which means his work is, uh, in us is unstoppable and his power is unchangeable. All of us are right in the middle of being sanctified, and you can see that. We're not done yet, for we still have so much to learn about trusting God and loving others. But the Spirit is at work, and he will remain at work. Beloved, I encourage you to look carefully in your life for the Spirit's work. See how even in the middle of the earthly troubles and cares, the Spirit gives peace and hope. Or see how the Spirit works in you, a hatred for the vile ways of sin and a growing love for what is right. Notice how the Spirit gives you joy in drawing near to God. Think of how we're normally indifferent toward other people, but by the Spirit we can begin to move towards them with genuine love. If you look for it, the evidence is there that the Holy Spirit never leaves a child of God unchanged. His work is unfailing. The next chapter of Ezekiel is a memorable scene of the Valley of the Dry Bones, a whole valley filled with skulls and rib cages and leg bones. This was Israel, a dead nation. But then there is a tremendous rattling and bones joined to bones and sinew and flesh until a vast army stands on their feet. Finally, they are filled with God's breath and they're ready to go. So strikingly, the Lord explains it. I will open your graves and cause you to come up. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. That is a spiritual resurrection when Jesus meant by being born again. God promised it and that's what he started doing when he brought them back to the land. It's the same thing for God that he does today. Be encouraged when you see the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. But also be exhorted. Because scripture says that the powerful work of the Holy Spirit can either be stifled in us or promoted. His work can be subdued in our life or supported. Like Israel found out, the Spirit can be frustrated through the way we live 
or by the things we neglect. This is why God warns us, don't resist the Spirit, grieve Him or quench Him. Consider then, are you promoting the work of the Spirit by the way you live and the habits you have and the attention you give to the Lord? Are you helping the Spirit's work in you? Are you progressing in sanctification or are you falling into stagnation? Let not, let's not fail to work, to walk by the Spirit each day. Then we'll share in the increasingly glory that is to come. Our third point, an increasing glory through the Spirit. The many prophecies of Ezekiel end with the words, you sometimes see to be continued. There's more to come. Past the day of Israel's return from Babylon, God was looking far into the future. Ezekiel, like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Joel, spoke of a time of greater outpouring, even a time of a new covenant. And we said the Spirit had always been sent to God's people so that they could know him. But one day the Spirit would be sent in a new nearness and fullness. This is what the Old Testament was all about. It was a time of preparation, a time of being in the shadows, but with a gradual movement towards the light. So what do we have that the Old Testament church didn't have? Today the Spirit works in us and is far greater and far closer for one principal reason. His message is far richer because now the Spirit's message is all about Christ. Israel always knew that Christ was coming. But now he has appeared in the flesh, and he has lived and died, and he lives again. And the Holy Spirit shows us his completed work. We're allowed to know the Savior by name. We're allowed to see his mighty works. We have promises straight from his mouth. When Christ speaks in John chapter 16, he tells his disciples how someone called the counselor would come after him. Jesus said about the Spirit, He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Here is the increased glory of the Spirit, for the Spirit takes the full gospel of the crucified, resurrected, and ascended Christ, and he makes it known to us. The Holy Spirit reveals to us just how sure our hope is in Christ. The Spirit confirms how Christ has redeemed us from sin and he renews us through his power. The Spirit shows how God now dwells within us, even as he used to live in the temple. In the Old Testament, said the God set his Spirit among his people. The New Testament says that God sends his Spirit within his people. The mighty, almighty God can be right here in our hearts, through his spirit, closer than ever before, more involved than ever before. He is with us to guide our steps. He is with us to give boldness. He is with us to teach wise and true words to say. He is with us to nurture thanksgiving in our hearts, 
Right now, the Spirit is busy conforming us to Christ and his image so that we become like him in his holiness, in his faith, in his love, and in his goodness. When we think about the Old Testament believers, we see how very blessed they were. They were redeemed from their sin and invited into fellowship with God. The Lord had mercy on them, and he restored them and gave his word. In many ways, their story is exactly the same as ours. Miserable sinners, redeemed by grace, renewed in strength, and promised a glorious future in God's presence. But through Christ and his spirits, we receive salvation that is greater than has ever been seen or known. The day that Abraham rejoiced to see, even from a distant, he is a, a day that we've seen up close. What all the ancient prophets search for so intently is a treasure God has revealed to us. What even the angels long to peer into. You and I may behold with the eyes of faith the gospel of the full forgiveness of sins through the blood of Christ. Beloved congregation, this puts us in front of a great responsibility. God has told us the whole story. God has revealed the astonishing gospel of his love and his power. It is all ours in Christ and through his Holy Spirit. So embrace it. Treasure it. Know yourself to be greatly blessed. And then give to God your constant worship and thanksgiving in the power of the Spirit. Amen. <laughs>